0: What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the 3ND pod. Thanks for joining us. My name is Drew, or as few people call me, Drizzy Drew. Drizzy Drew. And joined by my boy, Wizzy Wayne. What's going on, bro? I'm chilling, bro. I'm feeling good. We have a ton to get to today. A lot to get to. But I just wanted to mention, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 3ND underscore pod. That's actually the number 3ND underscore Pod, Don't forget to follow us there. And we are looking at diving into other platforms, so be tuned, or stay tuned, rather, for that. Mm -hmm. Let's get into it. Wayne, I have a trivia question for you. Are you ready? Bring it on, bro. Shaquille O'Neal, the diesel. Mm -hmm.
1: Barbecue chicken.
0: Averaged 23 and 10 in his career. Okay. What are the teams that Shaquille O'Neal played for in the entirety of his career? There is six of them. Name all six for me.
1: Name all six teams he played for. All six. Okay. Lakers. <clears throat> Correct. Phoenix. Correct. Heat. Correct. Ooh. Um. Oh. Uh. I feel like I should know this. Magic?
0: Yes. And you have two more, and they were more at the latter, latter stage of his career. Latter, latter stage of his career. I'm trying to remember because I've seen like a
1: video of him like – like, standing, but then they put all of his jerseys, like, repeated Looking over like a him. rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Two more. Two more. Dos Mas.
0: Um, Both in the Eastern Conference. Okay. That helps.
1: <laughs> um, dang. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm
0: thinking, I'm thinking, I'm hold thinking. Hold up. Boston, one of them? Yes, that was the very last team that he played for. Okay. Now you just need one more.
1: Boston and... Indiana.
0: Nope. Mm. Sorry, you have failed this trivia question. <laughs> you have the last this city. one was Cleveland. He played in Cleveland oh, with Braun. Oh my
1: he gosh. Did.
0: Played a majority of his career in LA and Orlando and then obviously made those last few stops between Miami, Phoenix, Cleveland, and Boston. And in Boston he averaged a whopping like one point. Ouch. I think he was thirty nine when he played with Boston. Okay. But better luck next week. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get it then. <laughs> Let's get into it. Bradley Beal this week earlier on in the week uh, matched Kobe Bryant for the the most back to, was it the back to back fifty point games. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know if when Kobe did it, if they both resulted in losses. They might have. They might have not. They might have both resulted in wins. But I know Bradley Beal. Uh, they both resulted in losses. They did. Very bro. unfortunate. He has the green light, Wayne. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. With no John Wall around, he is the man. So it brings me to this question. If we want to take Bradley Beal out of the situation, which I'd very much like to do so. I know maybe he wouldn't because, mm-hmm. again, he can do whatever the heck he wants, but I know he wants to win. Yeah. So if you're going to put him in a situation where he's going to win and he's going to win now, where are we
1: taking him? If he wants to win now, I mean, right now the obvious answer is put him on the Bucks with Giannis. I like that combination, pick and roll, do what you want to do. Giannis is actually spreading the floor a lot more now, which will make it easier for Bradley Bill to just have free reign to off-ball, run around, get the ball, put up a shot, you know, Steph Curry type stuff. But if he want, if he's in win-now mode, and he already said in that interview that he'd doesn't like to play with a bunch of, like, other superstars and whatever. Right. Go to a team where there's literally just you and one other guy, kind of like where you are now, except you're the guard guy, and then you have a guy who's the big guy. And mm-hmm. so you two just dominate those two positions on the floor. You want to win now? Go to the Bucks.
0: Okay. So you have that kind of high-low combination? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, like, four teams that I filtered between – and it came from a place of hearing that interview he had with Chris Haynes at one point, where he said, "I like to basically I like to be the guy with the ball." Mm-hmm. So anytime you're going to be sharing the responsibilities, it's a little bit harder. Um, so I put in, I put him in places where I felt like he could predominantly be the guy that scores all the points, and maybe some where he shares it. Okay. One was Toronto because Toronto has great pieces around them, and we've seen from last year that if you plug that star or that superstar. In a system, you might reap the benefits of a possible championship. Uh, Another one was Philly, just because they need more shooting, period. That's true. And if that wasn't a trade, you could possibly send back Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons to Washington. Uh, I have Portland, because they've always kind of needed that third piece, but maybe not a guard, more of a big man, so Mm -hmm. that's why I was reserved on it. And I don't think you're going to trade C.J. McCollum for Bradley Beal, I think Bradley Beal outweighs CJ McCollum quite a bit. Yeah. But the one I'm actually going with is a bit of a dark horse. I'm gonna go with the Orlando Magic.
1: Ooh, the Orlando that one.
0: Magic have a great defense surrounding them, mm-hmm. great pieces in place, but they unfortunately just don't have the guy. They've been waiting for Aaron Gordon to be that, possibly Nikola Vucevic. But he would be in a great system to where he would have great role players around him. Unlike Washington an amazing defense, yeah, and he would be the one with the ball, bringing a little bit more spice to the state of Florida other than just Miami. So I think Orlando could possibly be a great spot for him. That's not a bad pick. I like that. I think – I don't know if Aaron Gordon would go back for that or what would happen. Obviously, this would all have to happen through a trade, so you have to think about those things too. Like, if he's going to Milwaukee, yeah, where's he going to go? Like, who's, who's going yeah. back, you know? Yeah. Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> oh and those will be the days alright let's move on to the games of the week we chose just three to focus on we're going to start with the Bucks versus Toronto an Eastern Conference showdown so much of a showdown that for some reason every time the Bucks get ready pregame they have this little wrestling match thing yeah, yeah. prior to the game where they're it's hilarious they have their wrestling belts and Giannis is elbowing people and I don't know wrestling moves so I can't really identify yeah. what those are <laughs> but I wonder if this is helping them with the team camaraderie and just winning a bunch of games and I saw something earlier this week Wayne that says they were the the Bucks were the fastest team to clinch a playoff spot in NBA history, yeah, right behind the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors did it by February 25th, and the Bucks did it by February 23rd. So the Bucs stand alone in that category of clinching a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. So c- congratulations to them. But let's talk about this Bucks versus Toronto game. Obviously, the Bucks got the best of Toronto in this game. They won this one. I think it was mainly a 10-point spread, it felt like, for most of this game. It never felt like Toronto towards the tail end could really catch the Bucks. It seemed like yeah. they always had an answer for what was happening. But one thing I really noticed in this game, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but the fact that there are so many seven-footers in the game shooting threes now. I was going to say the same thing, dude. I mean, from the highlights that me and you watched, from the very jump of the game, you see Robin Lopez, Robin Lopez Brooke Lopez, Pascal Siakam... Giannis, Mm -hmm. all seven-footer or near seven-footer guys that are willingly taking the threes, and it makes the game fun to watch. Yes. Bro, so from the jump, I think it was – was Robin Lopez
1: the one with the shorter hair?
0: Robin Lopez is the one that looks like he works at Chuck E. Cheese, and he's the one with the crazy hair. Brooke Lopez is the one with the short hair.
1: I think Brooke Lopez is starting. He came out first bucket of the game, hit a three in the corner, and I was like, oh, it's nice like that, huh? And then later on in the game, I kept watching. Then Robin Lopez in the same corner hitting a three, and I'm just like, dude. And he does a little the celebration that he does. I at, lo- that's yeah. one of my favorite celebrations. People thought he was, like, what, smoking weed or something like
0: that, but he's not. It's, <laughs> it's like a drinking, tea. Yeah, it's drinking yeah, d- Dipping the tea and then throwing it back. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but he hit the three, and I was like, yo, they can both hit threes. That's crazy. And then crazy. Giannis, with that weird form, comes down, hits a three, and he's starting to take threes where he's not having to be like, Post it up,
0: catch it off the off a pass, like dribble down, pull up, hit a three. What's funny like is most of the time you see him at the top of the key taking the three, but he had like two corner threes this game, mm-hmm. which I think is probably the more favorable shot if it's in the corner. Yeah. But um sorry I got gnats flying around me. I'm just like waving my hands. Like, um so I, I fast forward kind of to the ending of this game. I think the turning point or what could have been the turning point for Toronto was when Fred Van Fleet came down and nailed that corner three where he got fouled on the three. Yep. And so then the score at that point, after he made the free throw was one Oh one to 94. And right after that play, the bucks are inbounding the ball and the Raptors steal it again. They mm-hmm. kick it out to Fred Van Fleet at the top of the key. Yeah, He's maybe two feet behind the arc, and he just throws it up. It was one of those shots to where, like, dude, if he makes this, this is the momentum shift right here. But yeah. unfortunately, he missed it. It would have made it 101 to 97 at that point, but I think that was their, their one chance to kind of make things probably a little bit more intense in that arena.
1: Yeah, and they had it at the beginning. The game was close maybe, like, first two quarters, and then Milwaukee was just like, look, we got this under control. Let's go ahead and play basketball. And it was over from there.
0: The one thing I noticed, and, we, you know, we talk about Giannis a lot, but the Bucs are going to need another option down the stretch in the playoffs, especially if they want to contend for a championship. And watching this game, I'm like, if – Chris Middleton. Dude, yes. If oh Chris Middleton can find his rhythm, this has to equal a championship. Don't you agree? Like he yes. was he was one of the main options coming down each time and playing his own ISO ball, getting his own shot. Yeah. And he's had like two fifty point games this year as well. If he can find his rhythm in the playoffs, the Bucks have to be the favorites, in my opinion, to actually win the championship.
1: Yeah. Like Chris Middleton doesn't look I think that's why people don't really give him a good rap. Because he doesn't look like your typical really good basketball player. Like, he doesn't look like a Giannis or a Harden. He just looks like a regular, like, average. Like, when you're creating a player in 2K and they give you that first template and you have to adjust it, that's Chris Middleton right there. He's the
0: blank template. He's the blank template right there, okay? He just goes about his business, though, and gets buckets. Yes, and it's amazing. The one difference between these two teams, and we'll move on after this, there's one big difference. The Toronto Raptors, they have a star. Their star... Probably two stars: Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. I would argue that Kyle Lowry is still a star. Mm-hmm. The difference between those teams, though, is that the Bucks have a superstar, and his name is Giannis. Now, Giannis in this game wasn't even incredible. He went; his stat line actually sounds really good: 19 points, 19 rebounds, eight assists. The only part that was a little bit tainted is the field goals: mm-hmm. five of 14 from the field. But this goes to show you that he can show up in other places and still have a huge impact on this team. And that's why I think the advantage versus the Bucs. Bucks in Toronto, if that were to be a series, to me the advantage, the pendulum swings towards the Bucks because both teams have incredible options from the top of their roster down. Like all of them have guys who can create their own shot, get hot at any moment. Mm-hmm. But the thing that separates them, is that you have a guy named Giannis who's going to dominate. Giannis Antrimpo. Let's move on to the Magic versus Nets. I know that's not the most uh, highlighted game of this week, but it was a very fun game to to look back and watch, especially because Wayne, when Aaron Gordon went to the free throw line, the Brooklyn crowd was not showing a lot of love. As a matter of fact, they were saying D-Wade doesn't like you, just chanting it over (laughs) and over again.
1: I didn't catch that. Yeah, I I, I saw it
0: on like House of Highlights. But credit to Aaron Gordon because he still (laughs) pushed through and made both free throws. But I honestly thought that was pretty funny.
1: That was hilarious, man. That's that's great.
0: The Magic were down by 17 in this game at one point. But the fourth quarter, in my opinion, was really the turning point. You saw guys like Aaron Gordon and – Terrence Ross just nailing three after three after three. One of my favorite plays of the game on the offensive side was when, when Aaron Gordon had that clutch, step back three. I think we were down two yeah, minutes. Yeah, Step back and just nailed it. And when he's swinging like that, dude, the magic are a tough out. Mm-hmm. So the
1: magic, I was watching the highlights. And first off, yeah, I noticed that they were taking a lot of threes. First off, I didn't know Aaron Gordon could hit the three. Like that. Maybe he just doesn't consistently, but in that game, he was hitting some, some clutch threes, a step-back one, of course. He was just coming around screens and just pulling it, saying, I you know it what? it was like
0: 4-4 four four in this game.
1: Like, he was just, look, I'm going to make it or I'm going to miss it. I'm just going to shoot it. And that's, I was like, okay, that's dope. That's dope. And that I'll was one that. of my
0: notes for him, or for this team. If Aaron Gordon can average close to 25 and consistently hit the open three or even the contested three, the Magic have to be a top-five team in the East. Mm-hmm. You can't have a dude who's built like him. And if he's putting up 25 a game and consistently hitting jumpers, it's gonna be tough. And he brings it on the defensive end too. So they really made a way in that fourth quarter and brought themselves back from a hole. Now Karis Levert, I thought had a pretty good game too. Yeah. He's so shifty, man. Like yes. when I think of players that just can like get through the paint and create for themselves, like his game looks weird. But he just finds a way to get buckets still. Well, when,
1: you're, when your teammate is is Kyrie, you kind of learn a thing or two about how to move the ball around. And, and that's and why I'm worried side.
0: for Brooklyn. I'm like, I feel like those those guys, maybe Kara Slivert and Spencer Dinwiddie could probably thrive a little bit more in another situation. Mm-hmm. But their value might swing on the side of winning a championship. But if you're young, you're swinging on the side of, let me get my bag, yeah, then let me settle down. Like but Kyrie and Katie have already gotten that.
1: Yeah, but it's also good that they have these guys so when Kyrie and KD go down like if they do during the season like they are now you got guys who can come up and step up
0: and still be able to fill that role and get you wins when your star players are gone right the one there was one questionable play for me in this game that I was like why is this happening so Spencer Dinwiddie is at the top of the key Terrence Ross bites on the double team Mm -hmm. and then Karis Levert quickly cuts the basket spencer finds him but aaron gordon meets him at the rim mm-hmm. that was that was the game changer for me right there but if you see right after that block the brooklyn gets the possession back and torian prince throws it up but he doesn't get the 3 now here's the problem for me the next play down there's still 9 seconds in the game and they have a chance to tie mm-hmm. they throw it back to None other than Torian Prince, who just missed a wide-open three to potentially tie the game. Yeah. Why are you not giving the ball to someone like Kara Slivert or Spencer Dinwiddie, who you know can create their own shot?
1: Yeah. That was what
0: I was confused about.
1: I don't know, because when you're in that position, I guess the opposing team knows who's hot, or at least who can hit a three to win the game, whatever it was. Uh, They would have won the game if they hit a three, right? Yes. Well, who, Brooklyn?
0: Yeah. So, or, yeah, it was 115 to 113, so they would have would have won. won. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I mean, if I'm a coach on the team that's up, I'm keying in on Lavert, and I'm keying in on Spencer Dinwiddie, and I'm making you pass the ball to Prince, who did just miss that three. Sure, and they so, could have
0: done that on that last possession and really yeah. just closed the, the gaps for any chance of them getting the ball. Even if those guys are off in the game,
1: I don't want them taking the three to win it. I'd rather just give it to the guy – who just
0: missed one and forced him to be great then give it to the people who I know can hit it even if they have an off game. Another reason why this game was really important is because the Magic and the Nets are kind of both vying for that seventh or eighth spot. And so this game really mattered in terms of that, in terms of seating. I don't know where – I'm sure if you're Brooklyn, you don't want to necessarily land at uh, eight. And mm-hmm. if you're Magic, you don't want to – End at eight because you're going to face the Bucks no matter what. Yeah, um, but playoffs is all about matchups, so we'll we'll see how that turns out. Anyways, uh, D Wade hates you, Aaron Gordon.
1: <laughs> That's what we took away from that.
0: All right, let's move on to the Lakers and Pel's game. This was almost a. MJ Kobe-esque kind of moment. Yeah. I think for that in terms of like LeBron to Zion. Mm-hmm. Did you kind of see that too? And like just in terms of looking at them and going like, I feel like this is slightly the passing of the torch. Yeah. So Even I, I, though I, LeBron still dominated yeah. clearly.
1: <laughs> I watched like the first part of that game um, with, before watching the highlights and stuff and there was a moment where they were at the free throw line and I think it was Anthony Davis shooting free throws, and LeBron is standing next to Zion at the, like, you know, next to the basket, and they have the camera on both of them, and I'm just looking at them like, dude, this is the moment right here. Like, right. if I was LeBron, I'd just, be, I'd just be in Zion's ear, just talking. But he, he wasn't. He was, you know, playing it cool or whatever.
0: And this could potentially be a first-round matchup. Yeah. If, so, if, the, if the Pelicans can find a way to slide into which eight. Which is
1: crazy because the Pelicans weren't even in consideration until Zion looking, came back, and Zion came back and said, "Look, I put the team on
0: my back for the NBA." What's crazy is if you look at the highlights, Zion. Even we know he's a bulky dude, so he could he could bang with the best of them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, guys that clearly tower over him. Yeah. He was still going at them directly. He's and still not getting scared. buckets. He's I not mean, he was 8 of 18 field goals in this game but still ended up with 28 points. Yeah. I think he's figuring out he can put up points even if he's not shooting the ball incredibly the whole entire time. He just gets to the rim, man. I do have one knock for him though. Only one. What is it? Watching the highlights, I don't think Zion is an incredible defender. No, see, and Zion feet is a are good... are slow.
1: He's a good situational defender.
0: Definitely. He's, in, but my problem is that you can see him hustling in transition on offense, but you don't see that same hustle going back on defense. It yeah. felt like there was multiple plays where I would just see him kind of jog back. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be amazing, most of the time you can be great on offense, but People are always going to knock you if you're not great on defense. And that was the only thing I saw f- from him in this game. But you're right. I mean, talk about kind of how he would be more of a situ- situational defender rather than just an all-around defender. Yeah, he's
1: – how do I put it? If he's the primary defender, it's one of those moments like when when uh, uh, Giannis was like – I know this has nothing to do with this, but – when Giannis said we're going to key in on James Harden for the All-Star game at the after the press conference or whatever, like we're trying to key in on James Harden, blah, blah, blah. You can key in on Zion if he's your primary defender. Like, if you put Zion on, I don't know, whoever you have, key in on that.
0: You don't really want him as a perimeter defender.
1: No, you don't want him out there where he can get shook and ankles taken. Like You're not going to put Zion on
0: Steph when Which he comes back. LeBron did have kind of a – he kind of shook him at the perimeter Oh yeah, at one point in the game. I don't know if you saw that, but LeBron in this game was hitting three after three. When LeBron has it going from distance, it's over. It's over. The dude had like 41 points at the age of – what is he, 36, 35? Something, I don't even know, dude. 30-something, late 30s. Whether you're 35 and up, even 30 and up, and you're putting up those numbers, it's incredible. Yeah. And the thing I loved about what LeBron did – was he totally played into to um posting up in this game. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him post up a lot in his career, but I think he's realizing with his age that's something that's going to be an advantage for him. Drew Holiday's a great defender, but he was getting murdered yeah. by LeBron <laughs> for most of this game. Yo. When LeBron when LeBron would get him on the block, he would beat him every single time and I thought that was an advantage for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Alex Caruso was also. I know we make fun of Alex Caruso a lot, but he had a lot of good energy plays in this game. Had I mean, you talk about a guy Lonzo. being an energy player. Yeah, the the block on Lonzo. Yeah, the between the legs to LeBron. Dude,
1: I watched that over and over. I was like, he didn't even look to see if LeBron was tri- like behind him. Right. He just knew, and that he has LeBron that one
0: celebration, like where he does this with his headband. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. He's. I don't get it. But but what I'm seeing is that like. You could easily look at your career, if you're him, and go, I'm just a guy that gets made fun of as a meme. Mm-hmm. But he's taking advantage of the attention and showing people that he's actually a good rotational player. He's a hooper, man. He's a hustler, too. I mean, if if you don't have a bunch of skill, you can at least hustle. That's that's why Marcus Smart got himself a decent contract at one point.
1: You know what I realized? I don't know if you remember this game in college where an A&M was down. They were playing – Somebody, I forgot who it was, somebody ranked, I think. And AM was down like more than 10 points with less than a minute to go in the game. And they ended up coming back and sending it into overtime. And I don't remember if they won that game or not, but on that team was Alex Caruso. And I did not know that until I recently watched it again. And I was like, someone said, oh, Caruso for the layup. And I was like, Alex Caruso? He played for it. Eight- what? Yeah. That was, the- I didn't even know that. I didn't even put that together. But that was cool. It was him. And it was somebody else on that team that's in the NBA right now. I forgot who it was, but
0: Yeah. I think did you know that uh DeAndre Jordan also went to AM? No. Yeah. There's some players that came remember. out of there.
1: Yeah. He he went there. Um I'm thinking of football. That's why I'm lost. I know football.
0: The Caruso Show, baby. The Caruso, Show. The Caruso. Show. Wayne, unfortunately, we have some slight I'm gonna I'm gonna call these dings. There's some dings around the NBA, and some what I mean dingos. by that is we don't have substantial injuries, but more injuries that could affect playoff seedings and rankings within the within the whole scope of what's going on for the NBA. First off, we got the Sixers, and the Sixers have been like a reality TV show for most of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. It's like you have your really great point, and then the next game you're down. It's like Joel Embiid's having fun, then he's not having fun. And is, is, is he passionate about the game? And then he's not passionate about is the he game. eating too many cheeseburgers before the game or yeah, not? watching too many TV shows on the sidelines. Yeah. Anyways, he had a shoulder sprain in this past week. Now, the good news, Wayne, is that he's it, it, it's looking like there's no structural damage to that, and he's going to be back in about a week. So that's the really good news. Um, And I think if maybe there's a silver lining to this, it gives guys like Josh Richardson, Al Horford, and Tobias Harris some burn for when him and Simmons get back. Mm -hmm. And I think Simmons has a back nerve impingement, which, listen, I don't know what that is. (laughs) But I do hear that it's pretty serious. Anytime you have any sort of back injury, you should probably be a little bit worried. They're saying for, for them... They're going to reevaluate him in two weeks. Yeah. So that doesn't sound good to me. And I don't know if, if that's going to be good for them moving forward. Cause he could potentially be out for the whole entire season. If this is as serious as it may be.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, anything with the back is a serious deal. I remember I had some back issues when I was, and I'm I'm a young dude, man. And I'm over here feeling like I'm young whippersnapper. I'm a young whippersnapper feeling like I'm an old whippersnapper, but, uh, Back injuries are nothing to play with, so reevaluating him in two weeks. I hope that within this two weeks it gets resolved because they're gonna need him down the stretch. Even though we all know Ben Simmons, you know, can't shoot, trying, but he's. But he can't. does a lot of other great things. Yeah, he does a lot of great things for that team as far as like ball movement and you know the IQ, getting the ball where it needs to be for the best shot on if the. If I'm possession. facing
0: the Bucks, I want Ben Simmons guarding Giannis. Ooh.
1: That's it. Yeah. I mean he he's, a, Simmons, he's a great honest.
0: defender in the post and on the perimeter. Like you can't you can't teach that.
1: You gotta pick him up at half court though.
0: I as think the, the other silver lining for the Sixers in this too is that we've seen that with Simmons and Embiid, really when their team's at full strength, they kind of look like they don't know what to do in, in a lot of ways. Especially with Al Horford on the floor. You have two centers. That signing never really made sense to me anyways. Mm-hmm. But I think if there is maybe something to look forward to, even if you have Embiid out for a period of time or even if Simmons is out for the year, Joel Embiid has shown that he can be simply the guy when the other guy is not there. Yeah, And I feel like that can maybe work in the Sixers' favor with all those pieces around them down the stretch potentially. So I'm going to say I'm not really worried about them. I don't think they're gonna. I I don't think they're gonna make it far in the playoffs, whether they were healthy or not. But I think they're probably like the past two years, more than likely gonna be a second round exit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, second round exit seems pretty fair. Uh, like you said, I I don't see them going far anywhere. Period. They need more pieces around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, or maybe move one of them and get somebody else that can actually um, shoot the ball more consistently and make it more consistently. But uh, they're not going past second round this year. There's no. just too many teams ahead of them. They bro, gotta have some got more shooting. Together. Yeah, they need more shooters, man.
0: And this summer I think it would be smart for them to think about moving on from Al Horford potentially. Dude, I I'm one of those
1: guys that's like Al Horford, it's weird because I want to like him because he's a good dude, like good basketball player, but just just doesn't fit. I don't, I don't but get it's it.
0: but that's not his fault either. I know right? it's weird. It's there's two centers out there. And one of the nights, I think it was when Joel Embiid went out with a shoulder sprain. You saw his stat line, uh, Al Horford's, being the primary center, and he had like 15, 9, and 7. It's like that's a typical Al Horford stat. That's mm-hmm. what you really need from him. So I think they could get some value back if they're going to trade Al Horford this summer, or maybe even Joel Embiid. Uh oh. Ain't going go to go there. The Grizzlies are also a little bit dinged up right now. They're suffering with the loss of Brandon Clark, who's been a nice. Uh, fine for them on the rookie scale, and then Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for some time as well, and so it's looking like maybe the Grizzlies, given injuries and potentially a little bit of a rookie wall here. We know players are susceptible to potentially hitting that rookie wall and not performing at the peak uh, like they were at the beginning of the season. Now, John Morant has still been playing great, but it can't only be him, and it's too tight at the bottom in my opinion for them to afford any time for some of their key players to be out. And I look at their schedule in the month in the month of March and they're facing teams. The Grizzlies are like the Mavs who are trying to keep seeding. The Nets who are trying to stay in the eighth spot. The Magic who are the same thing trying to stay in there. Blazers are trying to get in. Jazz, Spurs, Thunder, Bucks, Celtics. They face the Pelicans twice. They face the Raptors twice. So, the, the schedule in March, given all their injuries, is not favorable towards them. So, I'm going to lean on the side of that they are going to drop out. But what do you think? Are, are they going to drop out or are they, they going to stay in?
1: Well, I, I think they're going to drop out. Um, New Orleans is hot right now. New Orleans is playing really good basketball. And they're kind of starting to get things together with Zion. And I think um, these injuries, as great as John Morant is, he can't do everything. And I know he's gonna try and do everything for this team, but you gotta know when to just take your lumps and move on. And so right now, they're not in a position where I see them. If they do make the playoffs, of course they ain't making it far. They, they got to play Los Angeles first. Right. So uh, in Portland, like I said at the beginning of the season, Portland goes on these ridiculous runs come playoff time, and they might be able to push themselves past New Orleans and Memphis and get in that eighth spot. Of course, having to play the Lakers is gonna hurt, and Damian Lillard's still out right now, so that's gonna be on hold for a little bit. But they get they get Damian Lillard back, that push is coming because Damian so Lillard is about the playoffs. You
0: think Grizzlies either way are getting out of this picture for the playoffs or no? Yes, they are getting out. And are you if you have to pick between Pelicans and the Blazers, who's getting in? <sighs> Can I tell you some teams that the Pelicans are facing in March? Okay, go ahead. They have the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Heat, the Kings who are trying to fight for a spot, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Spurs, Grizzlies, Kings, Magic. They're facing some tough teams. They are facing some really tough teams. And the Blazers are not – they honestly have a pretty favorable schedule in March because most of the teams they're facing are not – Great. I mean, we got magic, wizards, sons, kings, suns, grizzlies, rockets, timberwolves, mavericks, timberwolves, hornets, pistons, nets. So if you get Damian Lillard back, and then even possibly Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah. So I'm the pick I'm going with to because I think the Grizzlies are going to drop out just mm-hmm. because of the injuries. But I think that the Blazers are going to get in. And honestly, Wayne, I want to see the Blazers in the eighth spot. What it would give LeBron a run for his money. That's what I'm saying. Because if you look at the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, those young teams, it would be fun to see them in there, mm-hmm. but they're not going to give anything towards the Lakers. The Blazers, yeah. you could make a case for them potentially having that first round upset.
1: Yeah, that'd be crazy. And, it, I mean, it goes to show you that Damian Lillard is that dude when it comes to the playoffs. He's not here to mess around. He's not scared. Playoff Dame is a different beast. You thought he was good in the regular season? Playoff Damian Lillard is above and beyond that. And that's why I'm always wishing and hoping that he makes it to the playoffs because that's when you get to see those good matchups like we saw him versus the Rockets when he hit that Oh, my goodness. Shut up. (laughs) I won't go too far into that moment. But, uh, yeah, Damian Lillard in the playoffs is an entirely different person, and I want to see that over the Pelicans. and the as, as great as they are, I want to see Dame for a good matchup. Mr.
0: Kobe White on the Chicago Bulls. Kobe. The rookie guard from North Carolina has been on a tear this week. He's the first Bulls rookie since MJ to have three consecutive games of 30-plus points, and the first— to have five plus threes in each of them. Your wow. thoughts, Wayne?
1: Look, Kobe White was definitely an issue back in his North Carolina days. And I knew it because I'm starting to kind of like go back and watch people, even in high school, as they come up to go to college. And then when they're in college, going up to the to the pros. And so there are people that I've been watching since college, like Kobe White, where, I mean, dude was just unreal and I feel like he was underrated um, back in college, and now he's getting a chance to shine. He's getting a chance to, you know, go out there and show everybody what he can do. And I feel like now he's finally coming into that mode of, like, look, I've arrived, and I know y'all are all talking about Zion and Ja, but my name is Kobe White, and I'm here to play some basketball. Yeah, I don't think and he's going to
0: get any, any real consideration for Rookie of the Year oh, at this nah, point. Nah, but nah. but he's at least going, like, look, I'm here to stay, okay? Mm-hmm. Um He's not a great facilitator or anything, but he, from the highlights I was watching, the games I was watching, he is incredible in transition. I didn't realize how good he was in transition and finishing at the rim, but he's he's also an amazing three-point shooter as well. And this guy can create his own shot, even as a rookie. Once he gets some more muscle on him, he's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Because if he can finish like that already, like, dude, he's already... I mean, he's already going to be a problem now. And we have to remember that all of this is him coming off the bench. Yeah. That's crazy too. And he's, I was watching the highlights as well. And he's a player that doesn't even necessarily need the ball in his hands either. I know he can create his own shots, his own shot, but there were multiple plays where he was running around screens like Clay and like Steph Mm -hmm. and pulling up as soon as he got that shot. Yeah. And I was watching all these and I said, there's a player though that he really reminds me of. And I couldn't pinpoint it. And finally, I read one of the comments and they were like, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Kimba Walker. And I was like, that's it. For some reason, he really reminds me of Kimba Walker just in the way he moves and gets his shots off Mm -hmm. with how small he is, but also how shifty he is and how he can shake people. I was like, that's a good uh, player comparison. Yeah. But. In terms of Kimball Walker, I don't even think Kimball Walker finishes at the rim as great as Kobe White does right now. Maybe I'm stretching that a little bit, but he looks good. Kobe White, he's on something. Mm -hmm. Guess who wasn't invited to the Rising Stars game? Who? Oh, Kobe White? Kobe White. Yeah. Chip on your shoulder. Maybe you should have been. Who cares about the Rising Stars game, though? Let's move on to the Utah Jazz. They've lost. Smooth jazz. I think they lost four in a row recently. Now, as of right now, they won last night. So kind of getting back on the horse. But that's a, a weird chain of events this past week, Wayne. Yeah. All really in terms weird. of lineups. Now, I'm getting updates on my phone, and it says, I think it was from Shams or something, and it, it says the Utah Jazz have announced to the team that they're moving Mike Connolly to the bench. Mm-hmm which is like, okay, great. He's been in and out of the lineup. He was injured at one point, all that good stuff. And they needed to make some sort of change because they just weren't playing as great. And I think they had him in the starting lineup. So they have him in the starting line, or they they take him out of the starting lineup. They announced that to the team. Apparently there was a report that he went home, took a nap, woke up to his phone and saw Mike Connolly reinserted back into the starting lineup. Joe Ingles now taken out of the starting lineup. Yeah. And so... I don't know what to make of that in terms of what, what could it possibly be that they went back on their word as quickly as they did.
1: Um, I don't know. And it seems to me like they're just confused and they have no idea what the heck to do. If, if I were the Jazz, um, I was watching that video that you sent um, of, who was it? Somebody, they were just talking on The Jump, the, the show on ESPN, and they were saying, oh, I think it was David Fisdale. David Fisdale and Zach Lowe. Yeah, and yeah. they were talking about how their most like dominant lineup so far has been whenever you have Joe Ingles starting and Conley coming off the bench. Right. And it makes sense because even though Conley is still a great point guard, he needs at this point in his career to go up against other point guards that are kind of at his skill level and putting him out there against like a starting point guard, like let's say you start him against Kimba Walker, like he's going to get sauced. You start him against like Steph Curry when he comes back. I mean, even though the Warriors
0: aren't that good,
1: you don't want him out there against Steph Curry because but that's the that's thing a bucket. He, he
0: hasn't always been a horrible defender though like Mike Connolly in his heyday was a pretty great defender and I, th- and I feel like he still is, but now you want him to be out there with guys
1: that he can look really good against and that's just going to have to be coming off the bench and going against the second string yeah. guards
0: So whether it was Mike Connolly or Joe Ingles coming out of the starting lineup, the guy they wanted to replace him with was Royce O'Neal and he's their grittiest defender. And that's really where they were slipping in a lot of these games is they were just getting trampled over by, by some of these perimeter Mm scores. So I I thought that change was necessary, but I I kind of favor with you. I mean, Joe Ingles, he's the best pick and roll partner for Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. And even in these last few games, Rudy Gobert being a two-time defensive player of the year has been taking some plays off on the defensive end. And I think it's really because he's not getting a ton of touches on the offensive end. And so when that's not happening, he's, he's taking some time off on the de- defensive end. And if you hang your hat on you being a defensive team, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. And I, I just feel like, Moving Mike Connolly to the bench honestly would have been the better play because imagine having a nice little scoring combo between Jordan Clarkson and Mike Connolly.
1: And Jordan Clarkson has been going pretty, like doing pretty well with them. Like he's right. a so nice why, little niche. For and himself. so why
0: not play into that if it's in the best interest of your team? Because yeah. honestly, I don't know if it was Mike Connolly's camp that came out and said he needs to be a starter. He or whatever the case may have been, but Mike Connelly's not the kind of guy that's going to speak up and be like, I'm all about starting, I need this, I need that. Like, I'm sure he cares about it, but he's going to do what's in the best interest of the team. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think this was really his doing. I think this was either from upper management or from Mike Connelly's camp or whatever it may have been. But the Jazz got some things to figure out, and I I think they will. I think it's February, and they're just in a slump. So playoffs get here quick. Currently,
1: Currently sitting at 5th in the West. We'll be playing Rockets' first round of playoffs started today.
0: It's a good matchup. It's a good matchup, and they've been torched by the Rockets for the past few years in the playoffs and even in the regular season. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't want to face the Rockets when it gets to that yep. point. Jason Tatum. Whoa, boy. Jay Tate. This guy has evolved just in the past month. He's like gone Pokemon. from – Star to what looks like Wayne could potentially be a superstar. In the month of February, he's averaging 30 points, seven rebounds, shooting at a 50% clip, and get this, shooting 49% from three. Boy. He's he's utilizing a lot of his strengths, which for him is just his natural like length to get to the rim and not just settle for jumpers, but he is really handling the ball well and... He's not necessarily creating for other people, but with your talent, like like I look at him like a KD. You could just get over anybody. You can get a bucket whenever you need. Mm-hmm. He's doing that right now.
1: That's crazy, dude. Jason Tatum, um, who we were talking about earlier, he reminded you of, uh, who was it? We are just talking about it. Kobe? No, it wasn't Kobe. I forgot. But anyway. He's looking more confident. Oh, in his Paul ag- George. Paul George. Yeah, that's right. He's looking more confident in his abilities on the court, which is something that we kind of was missing from like the seasons before. He would take a lot of those mid-range, like Kobe-type shots because, yeah, we know Kobe was a huge influence for him. Um, but it seemed like he was relying on that too much. Just like, I just want to shoot the ball. I want to shoot. turnaround fade. Baseline fade, whatever. And now he's like, you know what? There's more to my game. I could hit the three. And, if, right. I, and that, if that's not falling, I'm going to you know run at you in the paint and then throw one down on you real quick or just at least get to the rim. And, and I so think now that he's
0: playing to his strengths, yeah, he can find that mid-range pull-up and he can fit it in rather than having to force it in.
1: Mm-hmm. And you confuse defenses too because now they have to guard you for everything. You're not just a one-trick pony. You are like a 10-trick pony and they have to literally... Guards you at the at the perimeter, and if they step up too far, you take it in. If they back off a little bit, you just pull it. Like there's more areas to his game now, and people have to respect him. As soon as he crosses half court, you gotta respect Jason Tatum now.
0: For sure, and these teams that he's been doing this against are not scrub teams. Mm-hmm. He put up 38 against the Clippers in a win. He put up 41 in a loss against the Lakers. He put up. Thirty-three in a win against the Jazz in Utah. That's
1: that's the game I was talking about. Him and Donovan Mitchell were going at it in that game. Oh yeah, which was
0: crazy. But it's hard to do it, especially on the road too. Like to put up these points on the road in Los Angeles and Utah. He did it in Portland too. I mean, he's been on a complete tear. I saw something that says it was. Now this is clearly a very stupid stat, but we're (laughs) all about stupid stats here. Yes. Since Jason Tatum's beard has connected, he's gone from averaging 21 points to averaging 30 points. So it makes me have hope that maybe when my beard connects, something will happen in my life. That significant? I don't really know, but that's a real stat, by the way. I'm not kidding. (coughs) All about
1: the beards connecting, man. I don't know what it is. Like people have been waiting for people's beards to connect. Like if you look at people who have just like those patchy beards, they just got to connect, man. just got to connect. And then your power Are will you supporting me right now?
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Right. Injury report. Unfortunately, we have some very significant injuries here. Jeremy Lamb has tore basically his whole leg off. <laughs> uh, what was it? A torn ACL, a torn meniscus, a fracture in his leg, just everything you could imagine. Going up for a dunk in transition, and this is the thing you fear anytime you see any player going up in transition for a dunk, kind of like Clay Thompson in the playoffs last year. Yep, is this happening? And unfortunately, Ugh. it did. And he's going to be out for the rest of the season, and probably for some in uh, the 2020, oh, 2021 season. And it sucks for the Pacers because Jeremy Lamb was really finding stride as like a good role player in the NBA. So my hope for him is just that he's able to come back and make some sort of contribution whether it be to the Pacers or some other team but good thing for him he got his bag in the summer so he's secure unlike mm-hmm. a DeMarcus Cousins kind of situation to yeah. where you completely just obliterate your body and then you can't bounce back from it so that's good for him and he did a little Kobe-esque uh, he made those, those free throws those free throws at the end right yeah He did not back away from it. He stepped up to the plate, and he nailed both of them. So Mm -hmm. props to him. Also, Kelly Oubre Jr. has a torn meniscus in his right knee. According to Chris Haynes, he's seeking a second opinion. So, Wayne, I don't really know what this whole second opinion thing is all about, but you can kind of give me some insight into that potentially.
1: Yeah, um, it's so the first opinion told him that it was a torn meniscus, and I think he's just seeking a second opinion to either – maybe lessen or, you know, see if there's – see if it really is as severe as a torn meniscus or if it's, you know, something lesser than that. Or just to kind of just reiterate that, yo, two doctors have now said you tore your meniscus. This is what it is. You're going to have to just start rehab and get over it.
0: Either so, way, he's going to be out for a significant amount of time, which for the Suns, fighting for a playoff spot, a very significant player in their system can score the ball. Probably the heart and soul of that team, honestly. yeah. Uh, major blow for the Phoenix Suns.
1: And he was starting his his little dunk tour, too, like dunking on everybody he could. I remember for times sure. he, would, he would pass up a wide open three to go dunk on somebody, and I was like, dude.
0: And he was pretty, pretty good uh, in the clutch down the stretch for a lot of games, too, so they're definitely going to miss him. But uh, just for both of these guys, we're wishing that both of y'all get healthy and get back as soon as possible. This Giannis... And Harden, beef is at an all-time high, and we're here for it. Beef, beef, beef. So this, beef? Is, this is where it started. Let's, let's roll to the, the sound bites from Giannis making his pick for the All-Star game. I want somebody
1: that's going to pass the ball. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, crossover killer, step-back master, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. All right.
0: Crossover killer, step-back master kimba walker those are
1: words you use to describe james harden
0: and also obviously a a initial jab with i need someone who's going to pass the ball now i think that was prompted by charles barkley was prompted by charles barkley which is fine let's keep this thing rolling Giannis post game all-star game let's hear what he has to say uh first we were just trying to you know find whoever um, you know james Harden was guarding you know, that's who we
1: thought uh, we are going to have the opportunity to score on.
0: Now, that was a pure jab, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That wasn't prompted by anybody. He did not have to mention James Harden's name, especially for what is an exhibition game yeah. at the most. But he clearly said, we were going at James Harden, and that's obviously everybody knows because that's James Harden isn't a great defender. The funny thing about that comment was he was actually – great defending in the fourth quarter of the all-star game so Mm -hmm. that doesn't really hold up true but anyways finally we get to james harden's comments yesterday in his interview with rachel nichols let's hear what he rachel the Goat has to say you do have people talking about some of the stereotypes that have blown up around you charles barkley when they had the all-star draft was saying oh no one wants to take james harden he's a dribbler Yannis kupo makes a joke on the air about uh, I want to take someone who can pass. I'm taking Kemba Walker instead of James Harden. I Average more assists than him, I think. You ranked 10th in assists going into the All-Star break, and Kemba ranked 36th in assists going into the All-Star break.
1: So I don't see, I don't, I don't see what the joke is. But I don't even, I, I didn't even see it. You know, I don't, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Uh, I just know none of them can mess with me.
0: <laughs> and lastly, Giannis responds last night on SportsCenter before their game. I'm not
1: that type of guy. I've never tried to take stabs. Some, somebody somebody uh, maybe sometimes uh, might come out like that but i'm definitely not i'm just trying to do my job which is win games and go back home to my family and my kids. like uh but at the end of the day you know if that's what he believes that's what he believes i can you know uh say anything about it i just gotta keep being focused and um, keep you know staying you know staying to you know focus my goal wayne your thoughts first off Everyone mark your calendars. March 25th, <laughs> Rockets versus Bucks. Get your popcorn ready. Go ahead and get everyone settled in uh, because it's going to be a good game. Now, as far as the comments go, <clears throat> first off, stop messing with James Harden. Just stop. I don't care who you are. I don't care. And I'm not even a Rockets fan. Stop messing with James Harden because this man has proven time and time again that he's about that action, boss. And every time you bring up his name for no reason, you give this man more fuel to go off and prove you wrong.
0: You know what's funny about both of these? I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, you're good. What's funny about both of these comments, or maybe the response post-comments of Giannis and Mm Harden, as soon as Giannis makes all these comments, it's like, oh, that was funny, Giannis. That was really funny. As soon as Harden does it, all these social platforms are coming out and saying, like, oh, does this mean no skill? And post Giannis's stats and does all this stuff to be in favor of Giannis. But mm-hmm. none of the media platforms came in defense of James Harden, which at this point you have to be used to just to reiterate he gets no mm-hmm. love at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, Houston gets no love at all, period. Like, I don't know what it is about people in Houston, but no one <laughs> no one likes Houston. But that's fine. Um, next, I don't... As far as like the no skill thing goes, Harden is, of course, right to say that I feel because his game is more technical and it's more precise than Giannis's. And when you see where Giannis came from and how he just literally bulked up from where what he used to be, and is this freak of nature that can just go in the paint and dunk on whoever, I can see where he gets the whole you know I gotta actually go out there and even learn if it the was game. a stretched
0: comment, like even if even if it was inflated, yeah, like. I don't think he literally meant he has no skill. I yeah. think he's playing into the beef, and yeah. that's – I'm here for it. That's fine. And I don't know if you remember this, but this – I
1: I feel like this beef between them started in, like, 2014, I believe, when Giannis first came – first in the scene um, playing the uh, Rockets with James Harden, and something happened, and they had, like, some huge little, like, scuffle on the court, and it was between – Uh, Giannis and Harden and then Giannis like walked away and one of his teammates came and you know was getting in James Harden's face but I think that's kind of what started the whole beef not like intentionally but it was like an unintentional like yo I don't like you you don't like me we're gonna finish this game and I'll see you later but I don't know this is gonna this is gonna be weird because their styles of play is so different that you can't really see like that one-on-one matchup between the both of them so we're gonna have to look at the teams as a whole, and and how it plays out. March 25th, ESPN, six thirty. I'm just kidding. I don't know what time <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm trying to hype Let it up. Let me ask
0: you a question: If James and Giannis were both six foot tall, both of them six foot, which one are you wanting more with their current skill set? James Harden. I digress.
1: So is, is that's some that's not even. A, I, that's and a honestly, I'm nine. not even
0: trying to take sides either. I'm just there is some truth to James Harden's statements. There's even a little truth to Giannis' statements, but mm-hmm. I don't like the fact on the last soundbite that we made that that Giannis was like, "Oh, I'm not a gu- guy about taking jabs and doing this." And th-. like, yes, you are. You oh, own up been to it. Doing this, like, don't try to play nice guy now. And mm-hmm. he, I, I
1: knew, I knew he was going to say something about going home to his kid because he just had a, a kid, was a, a boy, I think, or a, a, boy, a, boy, a boy. Yeah, yeah, just had a boy. I knew he was going to say something about you know going home to his his wife and his, his girlfriend's kid or whatever. I knew it because I don't think Giannis was really wanting this beef to begin with. And even if he was, he sure as heck ran away from it the moment they gave him a chance to. For sure. And what's crazy is they're going to allow him to do that because he's the MVP front runner right now. They're going to allow him to run away from this beef until March 25th, ESPN, 7 (laughs) (laughs)
0: o'clock. Okay, follow-up question in March which game are you more excited for on March 20th March 25th Bucks versus Rockets or March 20th Pacers versus Miami hmm. Oh snap cuz that Jimmy TJ beef the Jimmy TJ beef what you got which one you know
1: what i'm more excited to see the Jimmy TJ beef because they'll be guarding each other more during that game I don't think James Harden's going to be on Giannis. Giannis might find himself He might on be James because Harden. they put
0: James a lot in that post defender on the block.
1: But if you don't pick up Giannis at half court and they don't have a play running, like if they don't start a play from half court where he just runs up to the top of the key, gives it to somebody else, and they just run a play. Sure. If Giannis is just going head first from half court, don't put Giannis. I mean, don't put James Harden out there. Sure. He's I mean, going he's to get run by over. anyways. Yeah. So I want to see TJ and Jimmy because that's going to be like they're guarding each other. Every time Jimmy touches the ball, TJ's there. When TJ touches the ball, Jimmy's there. And that's gonna be that's gonna be nice. It's gonna be spicy. Yes, sir.
0: let's move on to the small ball Rockets. Oh. Wayne. The Rockets have won five in a row, and it seems to me like this method of play for them since moving on from Capella has been working in their favor. Uh, it's, it seems as they have a ton of more room for Russ to operate, just putting up massive numbers. I think he loves playing in the system, and I think we're also finally at a point where both Russ and James, they're both averaging more than 30, and they're playing great together. There was that stretch where Harden was playing off, and then before that, Russ wasn't playing that great, and I think they're finally figuring it out to to where they can both play with each other.
1: Mm -hmm. So, i got some stuff to say about small ball. And I've been saying this since I found out that they were getting rid of Capella and they were going to have to move to the small ball lineup. I knew it was going to look good for a while because it's fresh. The Rockets don't really play small ball because they always had Capella or Nene or somebody that could just clog the paint um, defensively and offensively. And so now that they have to play small ball where you have like Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker who are like your tallest people on the court, I think, right now. Which
0: Rocco is averaging like – two blocks. Mm-hmm. They like four blocks the other night. They're
1: getting up there because they're – I think small ball helps in the sense that you don't know where they're at when you're going up for that shot. And so when they sell out and you don't know where they're at, and you're like, oh, I got this dude in front of me, I'm about to tower over him. But then you don't know that Robert Covington is behind you with his hand already in the air waiting for you to go up for that shot. And he just smacks your stuff off the arena. Uh, that's where a small ball can get – it can work for you because you – as a big, you don't really know where everybody's at. When you are a big going against a big, you can tell where the help is coming from. But when you're a, a big going against small ball, like they come from wherever. And so, I, like I said, it's gonna work for a while. The five and you know five and zero since the small ball lineup, whatever. I, it's gonna work and it's gonna look really good for a while. But once teams start figuring out that you can, like especially now when we're talking about the bigs being able to space the floor, like Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez being able to hit threes in the corner. You put you put that Bucks team against our Rockets
0: team, that floor is wide open. But it's not as much about that as it is about when Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez are on defense, they're a liability now. Yeah, they're a liability because all but, of them can beat you off the dribble.
1: Yes. But you have to either let PJ Tucker force him to shoot threes.
0: Or get yeah, he might get four fouls before halftime. <laughs> yeah. Having to guard those dudes. Oh my goodness, In foul trouble in the first quarter. Anyway. What I really like most about the Rockets' small ball lineup is that it literally forces everybody to be more accountable on defense. Yes. Because you don't have a guy snagging all the rebounds, because you don't have a guy anchoring the paint, it forces everybody to contribute, and I mm-hmm. think it just plays into the effort of everything that they're doing.
1: And, and the Rockets are already filled with a lot of high-effort players. When you look at even Mclemore, Covington, Tucker, um, even Gordon when he's on the court – High effort players who will get you those scrappy, uh, you know, steals and rebounds and stuff like that. So, they've got a lot of high effort players. And then on offense, of course, you got Russ and Harden who can – Russ will eat up I heard they're averaging
0: together like 64 points as a duo right now. That's ridiculous. Which in the ranks of like history is like number one, which is crazy to me. Yeah. No one talks about it though. But it's going to look good for now. Come playoff time is when you got to really step it up. But as other on, teams have time to prepare, which I told you this before, the pod, As other teams have time to prepare and game plan for them, they're going to have the same. Yeah, they can they can fight back as well.
1: It's going to be interesting to see. But I, as a for me, watching these games and watching how the NBA is going with like the bigs and all that stuff, I don't know if this small ball lineup is going to be enough to get them over the hump. As cool as it is, and as different as it is. And, you know, we got the the Lakers and the Clippers and even Denver up there in the top three. Um, I just don't – I don't know if I see that small ball lineup getting past either one of those three teams, especially Los Angeles. They might have a chance against Denver because Denver is more on their level of style of play, kind of. Denver plays a little bit more defense. But that might change now with the small ball lineup when they have to, you know, hold each other accountable – and that might help their defense out a whole lot. And then the Rockets can become a defensive team that gets the ball into the hands of Harden and Russ. And then the Clippers, I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, that's all you need to know. So
0: More than that, man. More or, than I that. mean,
1: at the, at, at the helm of that team, it's them two. But sure. But that, that team right underneath them with Lou Will, Pat Bev, I mean, when they're all healthy, Lou Will, Pat Bev, Montres, Harold, Zubac, like those guys are out there to dominate. And I like that team and how it's built, and I think those three teams are going to give the Rockets a lot of trouble. Any of those teams underneath the Rockets, the Rockets will wipe the floor. We'll see. Maybe
0: even OKC kind let's, of. Let's get to OKC. OKC only a half game back from Houston right now. We have to mention them because they've been playing out of their minds. I think ESPN put out a post that said since November, uh, OKC has the second best record right behind the Bucks, of course, which – to me, is incredible. And the fact that they're a half game backup from Houston is, I mean, scary as a Houston fan. But Chris Paul has been amazing in the fourth quarter. And Shea Gilgis, he's leading the team in scoring with 19 points. And I want to put this in perspective for you, Wayne. I saw this, somebody post about this recently. Shy Gilgis, between the platforms of like Bleacher Report and ESPN and SportsCenter, has been mentioned about a total of four times while Alex Caruso has been mentioned 43, 43 times. times. Yeah. That's crazy. And he deserves more love than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> yeah. OKC is one of those teams that you really have to watch out for, especially with Chris Paul playing the way he is and getting back to that pass the ball, facilitate the offense kind of player because he's got guys around him who can actually score the basketball. And, <laughs> I want to mention, I want to bring something up. I saw this. They were playing the Bucks, and somehow Chris Paul was on Giannis. And someone set a screen so Giannis could shoot. And Chris Paul came around that screen so slow, looked at Giannis, and backed up. And I was like, dang, the disrespect. daring him. And then he missed. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Chris Paul. Now, I will Paul, say
0: the Bucks blew out the thunder in that game. Yeah, but they did. But that particular play was really fun.
1: I just thought that was like. That was typical Chris Paul moment where he's just like, you know what? I know you can't shoot. Go ahead and pull it.
0: I'll live with the consequences. I can't wait for Chris Paul playoff moments this year. Yeah. He's fun in the playoffs. He's ridiculous, man. Last but never least, we have what's the status where me and Wayne give our best and our worst stats of the week. And we're gonna start with the worst, Wayne. Ooh, the, the worst? worst is gonna come first. I'm gonna give it first. Go ahead, bro. I'm gonna go with Serge Ibaka. Five points five rebounds, one assist on two of 15 field goals made and one of 10 from the three-point line and a loss to the Bucks the other night, uh, the other night in a game we mentioned earlier. He receives my worst of the week. All right, now my worst is,
1: you know, it's a pretty bad uh, stat line, but it also has a shining glimmer of hope. Ching. Yes, that when you hear it, you're going to be like, okay, that's a shing moment, okay? So my words is going to none other than Mr. Valanchunas, Jonas Valanchunas of the Memphis Grizzlies. He. Who looks exactly like Travis Kelsey. Yes. It's like spinning image. They're brothers. You can't tell me anything different. I don't care. Doppelganger. Yes. Um, Jonas Valanchunas, 4-14 field goals. One of three from the three. uh, Zero assists, one foul, 13 points in 32 minutes. But here's the shining moment. He had 25 rebounds. 25 rebounds. What? Yes. 13 points, 25 wow. rebounds. That's why I was like, it's a bad stat line at first, but then you see 25 rebounds, and you're like, you're doing something right. You know what's crazy? If
0: he, if he even had just a little bit more of a decent game, that would have been much more talked about. Yes. That but would it's have still been 30, amazing
1: just that. 25 rebounds.
0: That's crazy, dude. But I
1: just... 32 minutes, you only give me 13 points?
0: Come on now. My best of the week. Seth Curry. Listen, Seth listen. Seth, not Steph, Seth How we do Curry. this, bro? How we do this? 37 points, two rebounds two assist, and eight of nine from three. Unfortunately, Wayne, this came in a loss. Yes. But I had to give it to him because he did it in Miami. Very tough place to play. Very tough place to win. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think there were some brotherly senses happening because he knew Steph was coming back tomorrow. dude, And so he's filling it in himself, and he's just nailing from three. I could have also gave this to Bradley Beal, of course, but I decided to be a little bit different. But it sounds like you also went with Seth Curry.
1: I did. That man turned up,
0: bro. If he can get it going with this Dallas team, ain't no telling. Dude, if he can make at least five threes a game, just five, it Which is brings doable. the value of this Dallas team up that much of another level. Because ever since they also started moving Chris Stops to the center position, mm-hmm. he's been playing a lot better too. Yeah. Luke has been playing a lot better. I'm excited to see Dallas in the playoffs. That's a nice little trio forming right there. I like it. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. We appreciate you listening. We know this was a longer podcast, so thanks for sticking around. Again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and be on the lookout for other platforms that we may be stepping into later down the line. Wayne? Yes, sir. We got any wisdom for the people? <clears> Wayne's <throat> words of wisdom?
1: Um, if I could leave you guys with any words of wisdom today, it would be tell someone that you love them. It doesn't matter who it is because anyone could use a word of love. That's it. That's all I got.